0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Anyway, it's good to have you all here today. Um, Good to have those of you joining online. If this is your first time here, welcome. Um, We're glad you made it. We've been studying the book of Revelation for several weeks now, a couple of months, I guess, and learning a lot. Last week, man, we learned some really intense stuff about the unholy trinity. Um, Found in chapter 13, deals with probably the most familiar thing about the book of Revelation to most of the people in the world, is the mark of the beast, and I shared about that and don't have time to get in it uh, today again. You can go and watch online if you'd like to catch up on what that is all about, but we learned about that unholy trinity that consists of the dragon, which is a real literal devil that summons... The sea beast as he stands on the shore, which we believe will be um, just kind of representative of governments and a political leadership that exists throughout time and will intensify prior to the return of Christ. And we learned about the land beast that is a religious leader. And as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, there will always be, leading up to that time, there will always be somebody who's representing this false teaching and a movement that is always representing false teaching about Christ. But when we get to the return of Christ prior to his return, this person and this movement will be granted incredible authority and it will sweep across the world as people are given a spirit of delusion and it's in preparation for the judgment. Judgment. God is doing all that he possibly can to reach people, but as they continue to reject what the Lord has revealed in truth, their hearts get harder and harder and harder, and ultimately, um, they believe the lie and deception. Chapter 13 contains falsehood, wickedness, corruption, and blasphemy. Now, I'm glad we're in chapter 14 today. (laughs) Chapter 14 is filled with truth, righteousness, purity, and praise. And you'll see in apocalyptic literature, man, you'll see the writers, if we go back to the Old Testament minor prophets, if we're dealing with Daniel, we're dealing with Ezekiel, Isaiah even, some of the major prophets, they will they will kind of talk about the darkness and the doom, and then they will give you breathing room, and they will talk about the hope, and they're constantly comparing the righteousness of God and the wickedness of the world and giving the the what the Lord is doing in the record of his word that he's preserved for us. He's giving us hope in the midst of difficult circumstances that we face, with, whether it be in struggles that we're facing because of our faith and trying to live it out at school, at work, in the home. I mean the Lord knows that. And so he gives us these encouragements along the way to kind of be real with us and say, look, man, this is the reality. And the closer we get to my return to the earth, the more intense this darkness and this deception will get. And the more difficult it will be for you to live out your faith as a believer on um, the planet. And so the Lord wants to encourage us in the midst of these daily battles that we face. And we face them everywhere, man. We face a resistance because, um, you know, a discouraged and defeated Christian, doesn't really do a whole lot of delivering of good news. (laughs) I've got some good news for you, but I feel really down. It doesn't really work. And the Lord doesn't want you there. And the Lord wants you to know that even though you may be in a situation that has you down as you're dealing with your physical body and the emotions that you have in this, this thing we call the flesh, And there's a way to be up in it. That's what we talk about. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And when we talk about joy, we don't mean the same thing that the world means when they talk about joy. As a matter of fact, the world, and when I say the world, I'm talking about anybody who's outside of being a born-again Christian. They don't understand joy. They cannot understand it. Um, It is a spiritual thing. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And the only way to know what it is about is to possess it. And then when you possess it, it becomes quite difficult to describe it and teach people about it. Uh, but it's something, man, as far as the fruit of the Spirit, probably uh, the one that uh, I desire to walk in the most because I, I get discouraged, man, without it. It keeps me, it, is, it doesn't matter what I face, man. As a, and as a matter of fact, when my eyes are on Jesus, it doesn't matter how dark the days are around me. The joy seems to intensify. As a matter of fact, in a real strange experience for me as a minister of the gospel, is that when a person who has blazed the trails for the faith in the church, and I've had the privilege of being their pastor and, and knowing men that they love the Lord and they've they've led this life of sacrifice for the Lord and his kingdom, when they pass away and I'm called upon to preach their funeral is one of the most joyous experiences I've ever had on the planet. It's a, and, and it's hard to explain, man. It's like, well, the person is gone and it's a time of mourning, but on the inside, there's so much hope. There's so much, just, just the joy of the Lord just fills my soul in those moments. And I think the Lord is, he's sending a message to his people. And I think he wants to do that in us all as we're walking through life and different struggles man I think he wants to pour that joy out in us because again he's coming against this enemy that is using all this wickedness and perversion of truth and the Lord is trying to rescue men and women out of that and he's using the agents of the church his body on the planet to send that message and so as we walk through the dark days and the difficult days of our lives we walk through the trying things and the joy of the Lord fills our soul man People look and they know, they know there's something going on inside of this individual that is um, different than what everybody else in the world seems to, um, how they, they seem to process through their pain. And so it's such a, such a vital thing for us, and I think we see a lot of it as we get in the first five verses of chapter 14, so I have good news for you today. We're not going to do all of the chapter today. It has a lot of different stuff, and I just really wanted to hone in on these fir- first five verses, and so I'm going to read them. I'll give you some interpretation and different views on how people approach this text, what they believe it's teaching, and I'll give you some takeaways and let you get out of here. Amen? All right. you kind of subdued. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read like that. Then I looked and there before me, amen. <laughs> you come to church, and will talk about you. <laughs> anyway, here we go. No, y'all weren't that bad. Then I looked and there before me was the lamb. And he was standing on Mount Zion. Now you got to get this picture, okay? John, like, he's having this vision. And in this vision, man, he's just like the Lord has let him see this picture of evil, and he's seen this dragon that is incredibly powerful. He's seen this sea beast that is incredibly influential. The churches that he's burdened for, even in his time, that have the seven letters written to him at the beginning of Revelations, are struggling with heresy being in the church. And he sees this land beast that is like leading people to go into this falsehood and this deception and this lie. And man, it's overwhelming for him. And he's there, and then all of a sudden he says, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, and like a loud peal of thunder. And the sound I heard was like that of a harpist playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the lamb wherever he goes, and they were purchased from among mankind and offered as firstfruits to God and the lamb." No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. As we look at that and go, man, who in the world is that text talking about? And this does mean if I'm going to be sealed of the Lord, um, that I have to remain a virgin. And sometimes we get some teaching that leads people in to this life of celibacy because of texts like this. But then we also have texts that says that marriage is good and honorable and that um, it is something that we are supposed to be involved in. And so it's certainly not teaching that, but there are a couple of different views of ways to approach this text. And so a futurist, someone who believes that most of everything after chapter um, about three uh, is future and is yet to be fulfilled, they would look at this and they make the interpretation that these 144,000 people are Jewish male evangelists. And they have been preaching throughout the tribulation period. And they have been boldly proclaiming the gospel and who Jesus is and why all of the judgments are happening on the world. And they have been protected and they have survived during the tribulation period. And when Jesus returns, he will literally return um, to Mount Zion. And these 144,000 people, um, these evangelists will meet him there and they will usher in the millennial reign of Christ. And so, like, that's one view. And in that view, the, they are actually Jewish males, and they do not get married, and they are virgins, and they have totally committed themselves to the work of the Lord, and they're sort of related to, uh, like, David's mighty men in the Old Testament. Their job was to, to go and do battle. And so that's, that is a particular view of this text. A, a different view, and one that I sort of line up with a little bit more, is that um, this is all the redeemed who are owned of the Lord. From throughout time, from the time of the Old Testament, the people of Israel who were true followers of God, um, and they never did uh, move away from the Lord and start getting involved in idolatry, it would include them. Now, remember, um, let me let me not get ahead of myself. It would also include all of the New Testament saints. It would include us. It would include every Christian of every age who is a born again believer who walks in the power and demonstration of the of the Spirit, and they have been filled with the Spirit, and they are awaiting the return of Christ. And it also includes people who will uh, who have not even been born yet, and so future ages. And then it includes. So I kind of have a view of a already and not yet. It's already happening, and what it happens prior to the return of Christ, it will get even more intense. Now, one of the reasons I view it this way is because in the Bible, um, you remember when we studied in the Minor Prophets, there is a lot of talk of adultery, 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 and prostitution, and fornication. Well, it was all about spiritual adultery against God. He was a monotheistic God. He gave them the law. He said, this is what it means to follow me in the Old Testament covenant law. And if you will follow me, things will go well. I will take care of you. I will provide for you and you will be blessed of me. If you reject all of this that I'm giving to you, you reject the truth, then the land itself will even be cursed. And it's often described as when they started to do that, that they were committing adultery on the Lord. And we know that from the scripture, that as we look forward to the end of Revelation, we are described as the bride of Christ. And so a bride is being prepared for him as the groom. And so all of this marriage and and, and adultery and purity, for me, is about the church and the bride of Christ. And so as we look at this, um, we see that we are living in a world where a lot of difficult things are going on and we see that a lot of victory is happening. Even as our church experiences growth, and the gospel moves from person to person, and and people are getting committed to the Lord, and the church grows, and and maybe discipleship um, takes on a a deeper meaning, and, and we have more disciple makers, we have more connection going on, the Lord is bringing in sheep, from around the community, and they are coming under the sound of the gospel, and their lives are being transformed. We're seeing victory in that, and we're seeing, again, an enemy right now in the already that we're living in that's coming against and opposing that, and that's why it's difficult to get a church to grow, and the more pure you keep the church, um, the more And by pure, I mean the more you're focused on the word of God and teaching the word of God and not what culture wants to hear. Sometimes it can be difficult to get the church to move forward because people resist that. The enemy resists that. But the greater the Lord uh, brings around um, a group of people and gathers them together who are focused on the truth of his word, the more power that group of people is going to to have in a particular age. And so we're living in an age, man, where we're trying to move forward and conquer territory for the Lord. And we do it in as many ways as we possibly can to try to reach folks, whether it be online through the services being streamed or or in person or just whatever it is. You befriending your neighbors, having a a Bible study and trying to build relationships, having meals with folks. You should always have this mindset that you are engaged in a battle. There's always an enemy that's going to come against that to try to discourage you from it, to tell you you're too busy to do those things. and, And it's because you're in an actual war. And so we see um, that, in this, that the the purity and the virginity that is described there is that we spiritually are not like getting caught up and in, in wanting to do life with the beast we 're focused on the lamb that 's on Mount Zion. The beast stands on the shore of shifting sand. sand. And if you build your life on that, your life is going to be shaky. But if you look at the lamb who stands on the rock, Mount Zion, and you build your life on that, then you are going to begin to experience the joy of the Lord. And God is going to move through you and enable you to accomplish the things that he desires for you. And you are going to literally engage in the battle and come against the enemy. And so that's what this whole thing is about. We We live this out in every age. We keep our eyes focused on the return of the king. We keep our head in heaven and our feet on the ground. And so we have, we don't become so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good and our feet stay on the ground and we go through struggles and it keeps us humble to walk as servants of the Lord. And we realize he has bestowed power upon us, but he also expects us to be humble and walk this out on a daily basis in our allegiance to him and allow him to direct us in the places that he wants us to go. And so we go through these struggles. And as we go through these struggles on earth, he has some takeaways for us from this text that I believe are incredibly encouraging. And here's the first one. We sing a new song known only to us. Amen. That is fantastic. Because sometimes we don't understand why people act as they do. You don't understand and you look and you go, man, I could never do that. Why is this person doing that? The reason you could never do it and they can do it is because you know a song they know nothing about. And so it's good for us to be reminded of that. Now I'm going to tell a story. It's October 24th, which is a very important time of year. It's absolutely the most wonderful time of year. Did you know that? This is the entering of what we call the (laughs) pre-rut. It's a bow hunting term. And things get really intense um, in in the woods, okay? It's a very fun time to, to be a bow hunter. Uh, and I recently had some interesting things happen to me. And so these stories make their way in because I'm your pastor, and and the Lord leads me to write the sermons, and he lets me use my life, and this is something that happened to me, and I want to talk about it, okay? So I had targeted this buck. He's a world-class Kansas deer, man. And uh, I had had several encounters with him, and on a Friday evening, I snuck out, and lo and behold, he came out in plenty of daylight for me to film, and I took the shot, and it was a bad shot, man. Like, it, it's a bad shot. Like I've been hunting for 20 years, and it's been 10 years since I've had a bad shot like this. And so it's just, boy, I looked at the footage, and I came home, and it was a long night, and I just kind of talked to the Lord a lot. <laughs> uh, talked to my, my friends, uh, certainly re- reported it to, to Shay, And I knew what was ahead of us was a long track, but I felt pretty good about it. And so we went out Saturday afternoon to begin to make the recovery and did take Red Dog. And he did great, man, for the first 200 yards. And then he just, he got off and we lost zero blood. And so i've been down this road before man i've been like bow hunting this is what bow hunting is like it's like a roller coaster up down up down give you a little break a little while up down it's just like that over and over and so it's up when when this happens and and then i'm out there looking and we're looking we've been out there an hour and a half the trail goes cold cold we split up in different directions the dog has definitely taken me Off of the 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 main trail and he's chasing live deer now I can tell by the way he's acting and I'm getting beat up my arms he's dragging me through cedar thickets and anyway so I go back to the original spot man and I had been up and I get back to the original spot where we where we uh, had had lost blood and I was just looking man and I was trying to circle around and find, well, which way did he go? And this becomes very difficult because you're like a, um, a forensic investigator. You're looking for tiny droplets at this point. I couldn't find anything, and the reality started to set in. I've been down this road. It's going to be a long day, man. I'm going to have to put the dog up and walk and walk and walk and hope. And so my heart was starting to get crushed a little bit. And so that's, that reality was starting to set in for me. And I had no idea where Shay was at, but as I was sitting there, getting really down, I heard, (laughs) and I was like, is that a farmer calling his cows? Like, what is it? And And I was like, what in the world? Now, evidently him and Landon have this language they speak in the woods that I knew nothing about. And so finally, I whistled back, and they're coming back, and so he was trying to find out where I was, and so as he's making his way back, um, I can tell, like, he was having a totally different experience than I was. He was trying to hide it, but he, you know, he's got this cheesy grin on, and he's trying to hide it, and I was like, did you find him? Yeah, yes, I found him. Like we finally, man, and we start hugging, and we're like, I was like, the first thing that came out of my mouth is there is so much joy in my soul right now. And it was such a complete reversal. Now, why do I tell this story at this point about the song? Because what I want you to see in this story is in that moment in time, Shay was singing a song that I knew nothing about. And it's a picture of the world that we're living in. We know a song. We sing a song of redemption. And there are people around us everywhere. They know nothing about the song. And they're down. And they're trying to navigate through life. And they're frustrated. And they may be tired. And they don't even know that there's a song to be sung. And so if we come around all the time acting like them, there is no hope in the situation. And the Lord is saying, man, you've got a song to sing that nobody else knows except the redeemed who have God's name written on their forehead and he have, they have my name written on their forehead and we belong to the Lord and so we sing a song and that is so very important. Now, this is why it's so very important. is because it is a song of redemption and vindication. It is redemption that I have been redeemed of the Lord, man. I'm no longer at, at fault over my sin. That song we sang this morning, my songs, they are many. His mercy is more. It's a song of redemption, okay? And so we're just singing about it. And we're, we're blown away by the goodness and the grace of God. But here's the thing is it talks about that song can only be learned, um, like, that they they were unable to learn. I don't know exactly how it says it, but the the idea is is that, uh, let me find it here. It says, yeah, they sing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000. The word learn there is the word manthano, and it means to hear deeply. It is deep listening to divine revelation that results in learning. Manthano. Like, I've heard it. the way Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, manthano. Let him learn. Let him listen to what the Lord says. Now, John, he has used this term before in his gospel. He uses it in John chapter six. Listen to what he says in that context. It is written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned Montano from him comes to me everyone who deeply listens and hears that divine revealed truth comes to me. And they are redeemed and vindicated. And so what happens is, is that when we sing that new song known only to us because we have learned it, we are pure in spirit. That's your second takeaway. That's what's so special about the song, is we don't listen to, to the beast, we listen to Jesus. And because we listen to Jesus, we hear what he says and we experience his righteousness because he has forgiven us of our sins and covered us before the Father. And so Paul talks about this. Now, when we go back to the purity, they are, the 144,000 are virgins, right? So we go back to the purity piece about what that means. They are spiritually, they are pure before the Lord. They are prepared as his bride. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. And so Paul is like talking about this. Now I don't have time to give you all the verses, but I'm going to drop down in that same chapter and give you the context in which Paul is talking about this in verses 12 and 15. And he says, I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. And so Paul's saying, I'm literally trying to knock the legs, the knees out of some people in this. And this is why I'm teaching you this way. And he says, for such people are what? They are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve what's paul saying he's saying man something can look really good it can look like it's achieving good things on earth it can even say that it's a christian but it's not because it's masquerading as an angel of life and even the beast will do the same thing okay so he says, man, like what you have to know is I'm teaching you that you are pure in spirit. What makes you pure in spirit is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do you get a relationship with the Lord of Jesus Christ? By Montano deep listening to reveal divine truth. As it comes into you, it transforms you from the the, the realm of the beast to the realm of the lamb. You go from darkness to light, but it doesn't stop there, man. Montano, keep learning, keep listening deeply for the sweet voice of Jesus to speak truth into your life where he wants you to walk out your obedience and you will see the joy of the Lord will start to flood your soul. And the song will get louder. And the song will get louder and louder and louder. As people look at your life and see an individual that is filled with the joy of the Lord that cannot be purchased with money, experiences, or fame, or anything on this planet, it only comes from the one who can reveal it, the divine maker of the universe who gives out that joy, which is the ability to, to have a strength in the midst of the battle to overcome the obstacles that the enemy will put in front of us to trip us up. And that's why we have the name of the Father and the name of the son written on our foreheads because we are sealed with the spirit we hear the divine voice of God we are his sheep he hears we hear his voice he calls to us and we run hard after him and he fills us with his truth man and people look and they go look it's a different person here man people ought not be looking at our lives and seeing religion they ought to look at our lives and see Jesus Because he is filling us with such deep joy. And so we have this song. We're pure in spirit. Paul talks about us staying in that purity. And then then because of that purity, because of our lives being transformed, we follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's what it says of these 144,000. We're pure not because we're perfect, but because we have ears to hear and we desire to walk out our obedience to the Lord. And so when the Lord convicts us over something, maybe he convicts us over a relational um, issue that we're having, maybe in our marriage, the way we're treating our spouse, and he sort of kind of gets a hold of us about our mouth, how we're talking to them. Right now I have on my whiteboard, man, I have written in in red, T. O N E. Why do I have that? Because the enemy constantly tries to tr- trip me up in my tone when I'm talking to to Abby. And so I'm trying to overcome that, man. I don't want that. I want the joy of the Lord to flood my soul. And so I'm trying to navigate through how my tone comes out of my mouth because I know the enemy is trying to trip me up. And if he trips me up, then what happens is that it impacts my joy. If he impacts my joy, then he uh, it starts this vicious cycle that is really from the realm of the beast, not the realm of the Lamb and a lamb. And I start walking out, and I get frustrated. She gets frustrated, and we just keep getting frustrated over and over. And before long, if we let that thing spiral out of control, we can hate each other. And that's what happens in marriages. But when we listen to the lamb, wherever he goes, you can hear your voice. That you say, man, that does not sound like how Jesus would talk to Abby. And I often ask myself that, and I often am looking at how I'm reacting to different situations, and it, it helps me, man. It helps me so much. And so this is what the Lamb does for us, is He speaks to us about how we're walking in obedience in this life. And as we listen to His voice, He's, he's not correcting us so that we can go to heaven. <laughs> he's correcting us so we can be used on earth. Like what determines whether or not we go and ha- go to heaven is whether or not we can sing the song. And as we begin to sing the song, what happens is the more we walk out our obedience, the more but see here's the deal with the song. It is simple enough for anybody to learn to sing it, but it is complex enough that the more we walk out our obedience, the, the more depth that we see that the song has. It's like other instruments joining the, the orchestra until we ultimately get to be a symphony with our lives and we're joining that heavenly praise that is proclaiming that song that no one can learn except the redeemed of the Lord. And that's uh, what we see, that we are holy because He is holy. And we strive to follow Him wherever he goes, because he is willing to share his perfection with us. That's mind-boggling to me. It's like, I'm, I'm not a perfect being, but, the, but Christ lives in me, and he is perfect, and as I listen to him and go wherever he goes and follows him, then he shares his perfection with me, and we end up, as we see in this passage, we are living sacrifices. It says that they follow the lamb wherever he goes because they were purchased from among mankind and offered as firstfruits to who? God and the lamb. And no lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. And so every day we must see ourselves as sacrifices to the Lord. Man, if I could encourage you and teach you anything that has been so powerful for me and and helpful to me, is that as you start your day, man, have a conversation with the Lord. And you say, I don't know what this day holds, Lord. I don't know if it holds challenges. I don't know if it holds good news or bad. But I'm a sacrifice to you. And however I walk out this day, Lord, it's about you. It's not about me. And so I sacrifice this day for you. And wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, it's all about you. And then you will begin to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And you will start to sing the song louder. And you won't be singing it at people. You'll be singing it to them. It's a lot more enjoyable to sing to a person than at a person. And as you 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 won't even know you're singing to them. There's never a bird in the forest who's singing and whistling that knows he's singing to me. But I can hear him. And I like the way he sounds. And so like that's, the, that's the intent. We can see in the created order, we can see the design of God is that he wants us to sing like that. He wants us just to function on this planet that is dark and broken and being ruled uh, by the prince of the power, the air, the beast, until His return of, uh, the return of Jesus himself. He wants us just to be like the birds who are singing the song that he's put in our hearts. And as we sing that new song, man, we bring joy to the world that they know nothing about, because the only way that joy can get into their lives is that they rub shoulders with another believer because they can't possess the joy, because they have never experienced the deep learning of revealed truth, and they don't know the song. Every day, I'm a sacrifice. Every day, you're a sacrifice. Paul says it this way in Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, because even some of you young people, remember when I was younger, in my 20s, I go, well, I just need to figure out what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for me? And I figure out what does God want me to do? Here it is right here, let me tell you. And the more you live as a sacrifice, the louder the song will get in your life, the deeper the joy will be, and the more clear you will see where the Lamb is taking you, because you're listening to his voice and following hard after him. The big idea of today's talk, the redeemed are blameless. (laughs) That's such good news. That is an amazing truth to dwell on. When you look at different stories in the Bible, man, We see stories of people like David. David, what an awesome, the Bible describes him as a mighty man of God, a man after God's own heart. He conquered territory for the Lord. He wrote all these worship songs, but he has this stain on his life, man, this mark of failure where he commits adultery and has Uriah murdered. It's such a dark place in his life. But he writes these songs post that, that sin, Nathan, the prophet confronts him, calls him out on his sin. And what's interesting is every time Saul, the first king got called out on his sin, he went further into darkness until ultimately he's literally at the witch of Endor trying to summon up a prophet because he never would listen to what the prophet said. Even though the prophet would give him truth, he made his own way. It sounds a lot like our culture. And ultimately he's 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 listening to the witch of Endor and and but but every time when David is confronted with his sin we see brokenness we see oh he's like he comes out of it he repents before the Lord and he writes these things man in the in the word that are so powerful and what we see about David is that he is blameless even though he has made horrible decisions in his life. He is blameless because he is pure in spirit because the Lord has done a work in his life and he's willing to listen to him. This is an amazing truth for us to dwell on. I'm going to go back to my story and tell you that what's interesting about this whole experience in bow hunting is that when you make a bad shot, And you fail to recover the animal. Boy, I'm telling you, when you just start, it's awful. And the bigger the deer, the worse. I mean, you'll have nightmares about deer chasing you. It's bad. And you will over and over and over blame yourself for screwing that up. I was so stupid, what did I do? I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. And you just start beating yourself up, man. And then you share it with your friends and you know in the back of your mind, they're thinking, what a bonehead. How do you miss that bad? And if you put it on video, it's even worse. And so you, 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 they, even though they don't say it, you feel it, man. And so whenever you find the animal, You redeem all of that. Even though it's a bad shot, nobody talks about the shot because you got the animal, you made the recovery, and it can still be a bad shot. Same shot. One guy doesn't recover, and so he is blameworthy. The other guy does recover, and he is blameless. You are blameless if you know the Lord. You do not let the devil beat you up over the sins that you have made in the past. As a matter of fact, what you ought to do is you ought to think when we're worshiping and we're talking about my sins, they are many, his mercy is more. You ought to think about the worst thing that you have ever could think of that you've done, that you have offended the Lord with that sin, and you ought to just rejoice that you are blameless in it. And you will begin to understand the joy of the Lord because you will know there is nothing that I have done that allows me to be blameless before the Lord. It is everything that he has done. He has spilled his blood on the cross of Calvary. He says that I'm one of his sheep. He says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am in Christ Jesus. I don't listen to the beast. I listen to the lamb. and My, my, my life is built on Mount Zion. And I sing a new song. And so the word of the the Lord for you today from the book of Revelation is sing to the Lord this week. (laughs) Sing to the Lord the new song. Sing it in the morning when you get up. Sing it at night when you go to bed. Sing it when you're having lunch with somebody. Just sing the song, man. Don't sing it to the person you're with. Don't sing it to the person you wish would get right with Jesus. Just sing it to Jesus and let the Lord do his work. That's the secret to following him. That's it, man. Sing to the Lord the new song. And you will begin to see the Lord start shaping your life. And people will start coming To follow hard after the Lord with you, because those are the sheep that the Lord wants to use to help the others who've not come into the fold yet. So go out there this week, man, and sing to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the book of Revelation. We're amazed by it, Lord, that it has so much power to impact everything that we're walking through on a daily basis. And we pray that we would hear this word. All of us, Lord. We would take it to heart. Like we would, we would, we we would just we wouldn't walk it out. We'd run it out, Lord. Like when we would hear you say, man, you're getting a little off there, that we would just run into that and repent, Lord, and let you correct us in it. And we would just keep doing that until we gain victory in that situation. Lord, help us to be so wise that we are not listening to the deceptive voices, even of those we love around us who don't realize that they are following the beast because they don't know the news song, Lord. And help us to realize that, Lord, we... We can be the people who come walking into their lives that are singing the new song that brings hope to them, and they ultimately can experience transformation. We love you, Jesus. We know we don't deserve to know you, but we rejoice in the fact that we do. We pray these things in Christ's name. And amen. As I turn the service over to Sean. Man, if you want to come and use the, the front of the stage as an altar and pray, feel free to do that. If you've made a decision, you know, you can pray right in your chair. If you want to talk to me about a decision you're struggling with, i you want to go to lunch with somebody, like you can put a connection card in the plate in the back, hand it to me on your way out. I'd love um, to connect with you on that. But man, listen to the Lord and sing that song. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.